Okay, we are in, in Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. And um, we're going to start reading at verse 25. So let me just tell you where we are, we are at at this point. So in a, in a seven-year period, so uh, uh, Jacob served for his wife Leah 70 years. He, his, his father-in-law deceived him. He, he served for Rachel and he ended up with Leah. And then he had to serve another seven years for Rachel. During that second seven years, he was allowed to have the two wives. It was in that second seven-year period that he ended up having, having 11 sons and one listed daughter. The 11 sons are, are listed there where, where Leah had, had uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, and then a daughter named Dinah. Zilpah, her handmaid, had Gad and Asher. Rachel had Joseph. Benjamin wasn't yet born. And then Bilhah had Dan and Naphtali. And so there were 11 sons and one daughter during that seven-year time period. So with four wives, he ended up having, having 11 sons in a seven-year period. After those seven years are up, that's where we're going to pick up at this point. After those seven years were up. Verse 25 of Genesis chapter 30. Now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me depart. For you yourselves know my service, which you yourself know my service, which I have rendered to you. But Laban said to him, if now it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He continued, name your wages and I will give it. But he said to him, you yourself know how I served you and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came and it increased to a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me, will answer for me later, when you come concerning your wages, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. Laban said, good, let it be according to your word. So he removed on that day the striped and the spotted male goats and the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep and gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled away stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, uh, even in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. 
So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own herds apart, and he did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the sight of the flock in the gutters so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous, and he had large flocks and uh, large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Okay, so Jacob, remember, is referred to as the word Tam in Hebrew. There was only two people, two other people in the Bible that, that God used that word. And, and one of them was Noah and the other one was Job. Two very great men. Jacob was a great man. Yes, he had followed his mother's advice and in that he was complicit in deceiving his father. But overall, Jacob was a tremendous guy and he gets a bum rap from, from Gentile pastors in this. He has done nothing wrong here. And they will say that this is a deceptive practice. It is not. So Jacob serves the second seven years. And he then says, he says in verse 26, Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me depart. So he says, just give me my wives and my children. That's all he has. He has no flocks and herds of his own. Everything belonged to his father-in-law. He has no servants of his own. Nothing. He only has his wife and his children, his wives and his children. He says, let me now depart. And, and he wants to take care of his own household. So you see this again in verse 30. He says, when shall I provide for my own household also? Here is a man, and we looked last week at the dysfunctionality that was in his home. His two wives bickering over things. His two wives sort of treating him as if he's a prostitute. Who's going to get to sleep with him tonight? Who's going to do this? And arguing over that. Real, real trouble. If you had any marriage like that, you would, you would say there's real trouble in that marriage. In the midst of that, he persisted. He did not give up on the marriage. He could well have said after he spent that night with Leah, no, you deceived me. I don't care. I slept with her. She's not going to be my wife. No, he took the responsibility. And he says, that's my wife. And then he had Rachel. He got Rachel. And then he got the, the handmaids and all of the stuff that was going on. All of the dysfunction in his home. But they got through it. They got through it. And here he says, he says, give me my wives and my children. He says, this is my family. This is what I've got. This is a tremendous object lesson for us. Because remember, in your marriages, they will rarely. I haven't I've never known many marriages that go perfectly all the time. People have differences. And a lot of times those differences can be sharp. I have been there. I have been through it. But the one difference in my marriage over what I think is there in many marriages is that we were committed to each other. I mean, we had sharp disagreements, and, uh, uh, but for us, divorce was never an option. It just was not an option for us. And why, why not? Why, why wasn't it an option? But because the scriptures tell us, the scriptures tell us about this. So, so for example, in, in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says, 
but to the married I give instruction, not I, but the Lord. So Paul is saying, look, I'm telling you this, but this is not just me telling you. This is of the Lord. He says, to the married I give you instruction, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not leave her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Well, why doesn't it say to the wife, don't divorce your husband? He talks about leaving. Because they were not allowed to divorce their husband. They were not allowed to. And in fact, it's only in the recent past, if it's even past, it was it's very recently, probably in the last decade, that a, a woman could divorce her husband in Israel. It's only very recently that a woman could do that. A man could divorce his wife, but a woman couldn't divorce her husband. So he says, don't leave your husband. But if you do, you're going to remain unmarried. He says, uh, if you leave, you're going to remain unmarried. Now, if you should get divorced and remarry, I will not judge you. I will not. I have enough sin in my own life. It's not my business to judge anybody. You can go find other Christians that will judge you all the time, right? It's not going to come from me. I'm not in the business of judging. And, and I will love you just the same. But the Bible's instruction is to the woman, if you leave your husband, if you separate from your husband, you divorce your husband, you're going to remain unmarried. The Bible's instruction to the man, he says, you don't divorce your wife. If you do, you're to, you're to remain unmarried. So there's the, and so there's no way I wanted to be unmarried. I wanted my wife. And, and uh, I just wanted peace in the home. And we worked it out. We went to counseling and we worked it out. And we've been married almost 38 years. And I love my wife so much. I want you to have in your marriage the joy that I have. I really do. I want you to have that kind of joy. And so you see here, we saw the dysfunction in that marriage was so great. We saw it last week. So we're not going to belabor it. I mean, it was a rough marriage. But he says, this is my wife. These are my wives. This is my, these are my children. I need to provide for them. You don't give up on this thing. You don't give up. And I remember going into counselors and telling them right up front on the first day, I said, look, divorce for us is not an option. We're going to work this thing out. And I would say to them, whatever you tell me, I will do. And their reply was always the same because we moved, we were moving around the country. We got, we got married in New York. We lived, you know, I, I, I was just like, like this wandering Jew going all over the country from school to school. And Shireen was, was following me. And, and, uh, uh, you, you know, with, I had these, these, these trains following me and tabernacles and, and animals and things. And, and so we were going from place to place and, and the, the, the counselors would look at me like they were shocked that anybody would say to them, whatever you tell me, I will do. And every one of them said, if this is your attitude, this won't take long. If you will do what I instruct you to do, and this is your attitude, divorce for us is not an option. We have got to get this worked out. They said it won't take any time at all. And I would say, on average, it probably wasn't more than eight sessions, sometimes six sessions, and we were, we were fine. It got us fixed up really fast. You know, it was just like going in for a tune-up. I mean, you just, just going, and it's all better. I urge you, don't trash your marriage because little things come up. And you say, well, he said this to me. I'm like, all right. One guy came to me, and, and uh, he was, he was a, a student in the class. And he came to me, he says, you wouldn't believe what my wife said. And he was just all distraught. And she was there, and... and, and uh, um, 
And so he had come to the Lord, and then after that she had come to the Lord, and she, he said, my wife said to me, if this is what Christianity is, I don't want it. I said, and? Is that all she said? And I said, I've said much worse than that. And I said, right? And Shereen said, yeah, he said much worse than that. And then he was all better. I mean, these things, people say stuff when they get angry. They say stuff. You don't let this thing destroy a marriage. People say things that are harsh and strong and, and, and they know you very well so they know exactly what torpedo to, you, you know, to, to, to throw at you in order to, to get you really, you know, going and just, you know, rise out of you. They can do it in an instant. And that happens. As it says in the book of Job, it, Job, it says, uh, it says the, the words of those in despair belong to the wind. If somebody's in despair and they say something, just let it go. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I'm telling you, I get upset about something and I, stuff flings out of my mouth that five minutes later, I regret. I mean, it's the same with email. And I'm like, why did I send that? I feel terrible. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but people get upset. People make mistakes. It happens in business and, and things happen. People are going to make mistakes. They're going to regret. You don't trash your marriage over these things. This is to remain. And what happens is when you get through this, you're all the stronger because now you can relate to other people who are struggling. And so you see that in this life. He just wants to take care of his own family. So then his father-in-law says, no, stay with me. He says, his father-in-law says, I have divined, in verse 30, I've divined that, that uh, um, I'm sorry, in verse 27, I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. Laban was a pagan, and he uses the name Lord, Jehovah. Jehovah has blessed me on your account. I have divined, the origin of this word is satanic. I have divined that I've been blessed because of you. You know, for 14 years you've served me, and, and, and Jacob tells him, he says, in verse 30, for you had little before I came, and it has increased to a multitude. You see this blessing that was that was told to Abraham. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And he was going to be a blessing to the world. And there was so much blessing that came upon him as a result of this. So much blessing that came upon Laban as a result of this. And, and uh, he says, please don't leave me. I mean, it just succeeds when you're around. He says, you name what it is. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you to stay. That's what he said. Whatever you want, it's yours. And so, so, uh, uh, what, what Jacob proposed is not a bad deal at all. He proposed a very good deal, a good, very much in favor of Laban. What he did is he says, he's, uh, in verse 31, so he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. I'm not asking you for anything. Nothing. Don't give me anything. This is all I want. Is you see all of your flocks, you have your sheep, you have your goats. And you and, and you have the young sheep, the lambs there, and, and uh all I ask is that among the sheep you give me the black ones that are among the, 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 the lambs, and the dark colored ones, the ones that are, 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 are multicolored, you give me those as a breeding stock. And among the goats you give me the dark ones. I'm sorry, you give, you give me the, the ones that are both, both black and white or brown and white and not the, the ones that are totally dark. Because if you, even if you go to Israel today, 
you will see goats and you will see sheep. The sheep are generally white. The, the goats are generally brown or black. And, and uh, so what he's saying is, I want the spotted ones, which is maybe 10% of your flock. Not that you give it to me. I want nothing. I just want that as a breeding stock. I will use those to breed. The ones that are spotted among those, I keep. The ones that are not spotted become yours. I just need that initial breeding stock. And then I'm going to give that breeding stock back to you. That's all he's proposing. You see how gracious that is. I just want like what is normally <clears throat> like 10% of, of, of your flock. That's all I want as a breeding stock. And you're going to get them back. And all the other ones, I'll continue to take care of them for you. And Laban says, Laban said in verse 34, good. If Laban, the crook, says good deal, it is a really good deal. He jumped at it. You don't want anything from me. So he jumped at it. He took it. He says, let it be according to your word. All right. And then what does Laban do? In verse 35, it says, So he removed on that day the striped and the spotted male goats and the speckled and the spotted female goats, every one with white in it and black ones among the sheep, and he gave them into the care of his sons. Then he went into his flocks. He took all the ones that were supposed to be the breeding stock and he pulled them out and he gave them to his sons and he said, Go three days' journey away. Three days' journey, you're 60 or 75 miles away, so there's no interbreeding. He took the guy's breeding stock. He changed the terms on him. You see what Laban did? It's not, it's not something bad that Jacob did. Laban changed the terms of this. This was a terrible thing to do. He ripped him off again. He ripped him off with his daughter. Now he's ripping him off with, with, with these wages. And we'll learn later on, we'll read that Laban changed the terms of the deal ten times. Ten times he changed the terms of the deal. So if you think that you've been ripped off in business, people tell me, you know, in business, these people did this to me, these people did that. I'm like, welcome to the world. You know, it's been happening since the book of Genesis. It's not like you've been isolated to be ripped off by people. This happens in the world. And so what he did, he, he didn't even fight with this thing. He said, you know, he figured some brown ones, some spotted ones are going to be born. I'll take those and I'll continue to use those as a breeding spot. As a, as a breeding stock. Now, he did something very unusual. He took sticks and he made stripes on them and he put them in front of the, the, the cattle, in front of the flocks as they were breeding, thinking that those would give him spotted, those would yield spotted offsprings. Now, I've heard of epigenetics. Now, I've never heard of that. Now, um, there may be, there may be, you know, people who are into animal husbandry that know something about this. I don't know that anything genetically is going to happen by doing that. And I don't think that had anything to do with it. He was using a practice of the time that he thought would do something. And you say, well, how did he get so many spotted ones that his flocks built up so much? And we see that in chapter 31. So if you turn over to chapter 31, verse, um, Verse 9, chapter 31, verse 9. Then, um, then God has taken... A, no, no, let, let, let's look in verse 10. Let's turn. Verse 10 of chapter 31. And it came about at that time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream. And behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here, am I, here I am. He said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, 
speckled and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. He had a dream, and God spoke to him in a dream saying, the ones that are going to be breeding big time are the, the, the spotted ones. Generally, there are only a small number of those. But you want the spotted ones. This is like an insider trading. I mean, God knows. And God told him. The way he knew this was because God revealed it to him. God interceded on his business and said, you want the spotted ones. You want the spotted ones. Those are the ones you want. That's how he knew. He thought the sticks were going to do something. I don't think the sticks had anything to do with it. Once God said, that's what's going to happen, that had to happen. It was going to happen. So he was wasting his time, you know, always trying to put these sticks. He was just wasting his time. And a lot of times God will pour blessing out and people say, well, that blessing occurred because, you know, I have just great insight. No, God blessed you. God blessed you. You prayed to, for God to bless your business and he blessed you. Who gave you that insight? It was God. It was God. Yeah, God gave you the insight. God's the one who did it. The other thing, I'll just throw this out. He became an owner of flocks now himself. He served 14 years. He wasn't the owner. Generally, the people I know that get rich are the owners. You own the business. Or you become part of the C-suite, chief chief executive officer, chief financial officer. You can get a ton of stock and that's how you you really make money you become an owner of a business that's how you really make money and so he becomes the owner of this business but this is how it happened he didn't rip the guy off god interceded so much so that the ones that are the sheep that are normally all white and the the goats that are all normally brown and black stopped doing very well so after six years, this is six years he served in this capacity because we'll see that the total was 20 years. 14, 7 plus 7, and now six years he does this. In six years, he goes from having nothing but his wife and his children to having what's in verse 43 of chapter 30. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and he had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Whoa! This guy didn't have a camel or a donkey before. Now he's got a bunch of them and he's got female and male servants and he's got, he is not just prosperous, he is exceedingly prosperous in six years. Can people go from having nothing to having a lot in six years? Oh yeah. I've seen it many times with, with not with myself, with, 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 with other people, with friends that I know. They've gone from nothing to everything. I've seen people lose everything, everything. And then in, in a 10-year period, just amass an amazing amount of, uh, amount of wealth. Now, they're working hard. Jacob worked very hard. And we're going to see in another chapter how hard he was working. Day and night. And, and, and his talks about how his sleep left him because of the cold of the night and stuff like that. But he worked very hard. But what you see is that God blessed him. God interceded on his business. If I could communicate to you what I have seen in my own life, that would bless you in your careers. And if you would take hold of this, it is worth a treasure. I'm telling you, it is worth a treasure. There are multiple verses on this type of thing. And especially this guy who was trying to rip him off, he changed the terms on him 10 times. But imagine he even took away his breeding stock from him and separated it three days journey so there could be no interbreeding with it. It's like, 
this is the breeding stock I needed to, to, to start my own family. The guy was just, just doing this to his son-in-law. Well, there's, there's an interesting verse here um, in, in, uh, um, in, verse, in, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. If you sin, you're going to lose a lot. You're going to lose an awful lot in life. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous, and that's exactly what we saw here. That's exactly what we've seen here. But you see that this 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 desire to want to take care of his family, and God bless him. So what I could tell you in business is this. If you would learn to cry out to the Lord for your business, for your career, things would go so much better. Every day I break at noontime. I've been doing this since the time that I was an undergraduate, the age of many of you. So, so from the time I was, I was uh, uh, about 19 years old, I started praying every day, sometime in the middle of the afternoon. I'd go to the, camp, the chapel and pray, or I'd go someplace and pray, and I would ask God to bless my career. And, and I had all the same fears that all of you have now. I thought, am I even going to make it? Am I going to succeed? And I'd say, Lord, and I'd just cry out for my career. As an assistant professor, I'd go to the chapel, I'd fall on my knees and I'd, each, each midday, and I'd say, Lord, bless my career, bless these projects, and, and Lord, bless these students. And as I look back over my career, it's just amazing, amazing what God has done, the goodness that God has done. We have been so blessed we have advances that if any man or woman got one of these advances in their entire career, they would feel like, you know, I've done a ton more than the vast majority of scientists have ever done. But we, in just in the last five years, like we've gotten one a year for the last five years. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and you say, wow, you, you're just really smart. No, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you. And, and if I tell you, no, I'm not just really smart, then people think, oh, well, he's all the more magnanimous because he's humble on top of that. No, I'm trying to tell you, I never did very well. I never could have gotten into Rice University. I never could have. I would have been just like the folks here at HBU, just a regular guy trying to, trying to get through school. That's what I was. And, but God interceded. God intercedes. Do you see that? God is the one who intercedes. The Bible says you do not receive because you do not ask. The primary reason why we do not receive in life is because we do not ask. The world has, there's a lot out there in the world. There's a lot of people that want to rip you off. There's a lot of competition. People say, well, I don't need God. I want to do it on my own. I'm like, okay, do it on your own. The world is a tough taskmaster and there's a lot of smart people that you're up against. You do it on your own. And as I walk away from them, I pray this prayer. I say, Lord, all the blessings that they could have had, give it to me. I'll take it. No use in wasting those. You don't have to leave those on the table. I'll take it. Just bless me with it. I do. I just do that. Because these poor people, I mean, God's handing out gifts. They're like, I don't want it. And God's like, I'll take it. He gives it to me. There is so much blessing in serving the Lord. So much blessing in serving the Lord. He held on to his family to the point that you see, you see that, that, that the way his wives started standing behind him. So he says, so if, if you read on down in, in uh, chapter 31, it says in verse 
in chapter 13 of chapter 31. We'll, we'll read the rest of that other portion, chapter 31, next week. But it says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. So God says, I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar. Remember when he was just going to find a wife. He stopped in Bethel. He stopped in a land, a land named Luz, which he re- renamed as Bethel, meaning the house of God. And he anointed a pillar, and he offered that a prayer up to God. God says, oh, remember that prayer you prayed 20 years ago? I remember it, God said. I remember the prayer you prayed 20 years ago. All the prayers that I prayed as an undergraduate, God says, I remember them. I remember them all. I remember those prayers. I remember them. God had good for him. And his wives then started standing behind him. And, and uh, um, so, so if, if you see that, that, that and, and we'll look at this next time, how his wives started really standing with him. That family was an utter disaster. It was the most dysfunctional family. I have never known wives bartering and over their husband, because I've never known a man with multiple wives. That may be part of it. But, but, um, uh, but, but they're, they're bartering over who's going to get him for the evening. And it's just, I mean, and this poor guy has no say in it. He's just getting whipped around by these women in his home. Dysfunctional family. And the, the wives are competing with one another and they're like, you, you know, they're, they're, they're bang, these babies are just coming one after another and they're competing with each other on the, on the amount of children they can have. It's it really a terrible marriage. But in the midst of that, the marriage was retained. The marriage was saved. So I want to close with this. This is from Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. This is a mother crying out for her children, for her son, and and crying out for him. You see the heart of a mother. And God is displaying to us his heart toward us. In the Bible, God is displayed as a male figure and as a female figure. He's displayed as both. Because he he says, there are times like... uh, um, how I have longed, Jesus said, how I have longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. So he takes on female qualities. He says, as a nursing mother, I have, I have, I've cared for you. He takes on even female qualities at times to show us the care that he has for us. Look at the heart of God toward us in this prayer of this mother toward her son, King Lemuel. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel. The oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? You see her crying out. She says, you're my son, my son, my son. You are the son of my vows, meaning I took a vow to the Lord that I would offer you up to his service. You are the son of my womb. You mean more to me than my own life. Verse 3, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to desire strong drink. For they will drink and forget what is decreed, and pervert the the rights of the afflicted. She's saying to him, I pray you do right. Don't get caught up with loose women. Don't go in the way of alcohol. 
you see the mother's heart. I am crying out for you. Please take hold of the word of God in your life. Take hold of the word of God. These practices in your life. Make this word of God your meditation and make it your prescription for obedience. Just do it and your life will go well. If you don't, it won't. If you don't, it won't. It, this word is true. It is true over and over again. This word is true. I will pour out my life to see somebody get saved. I will meet them. I'll go there. I'll go and be with them. I will spend time with them to try to get somebody saved. God is like that. God also takes his children and he will do whatever it takes to, to try to get you to walk in the right way. He will admonish us. He'll speak to us. He'll speak to our hearts about the way that is right. He is calling us. I want to close with this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. I will most, Jim Tour, I will most gladly spend my money to see people saved and to have, have students come closer to God. I will most gladly do it and I will be expended for your souls. God is the same way. He puts people in our lives that cry out for us. Obey the word of God. Do what it says and your life will go well. If you disobey it, it will not go well. He has a way for us. When you get into marriage and your marriage starts having a hard time, I want you to remember this. Divorce is not an option. We are going to work this thing out. Divorce is not an option. We're going to work it out. We will work this thing out. You do what is right in the Lord. You do what is right in the Lord. You walk according to His way. The Bible is clear. You walk in fornication. You walk in, in sex before marriage. It's going to affect your marriage. I'm not judging anyone. I can't judge anyone. My life's a mess. I am saying, when we disobey the Word of God, things don't go well. The decisions that you make before marriage affect your marriage in the future. It affects it. Follow the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. That's all I ask you is to obey the Word. I will be expended for your souls. God says that. I will be expended for your souls. Like a mother, he comes and he says, don't get involved in these things that will destroy your life. Don't do it. Because I care for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. The truth of your word. I pray for these young people that from this class would spring up marriages that are good, where people would be built up and made strong. Father, that they would hold on. Father, that they would hold on to their marriages and make those things work. Father, I pray for their businesses, for their careers, that you would give them success in business, success in their careers. Father, I pray that you would do that. Father, I pray that you're glory would be manifest in their lives. Draw them close to Jesus. And Father, for those here who do not know Jesus, please, Lord, I ask of you to draw them to Jesus, Him, He who has given Himself for them. Father, I pray that they would come to Jesus as He has given His life for them, that they would come to Him and get saved so that they too can experience the blessing, the blessing of knowing Him. Father, your grace be there, I pray, in Jesus' name.
Amen.